Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Liam Mix. I'm the KCBS foodie chap at Minor Family Winery, Napa, California. With me, Dave Minor. Dave, great to see you, mate. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, Well, I'm great because... There's wine, you know, right before us here. Before we talk about your journey, your story, uh, what are we drinking? We are drinking a little bit of uh, Minor Family Viognier. So this is the 2014 vintage. Um, and Viognier is, you know, great breakfast wine, great wine any time of day. Well, it's the right time of day, right? My favorite sound, Dave, is the sound of... of, of wine going in the glass. Absolutely. Here it is. Ah, you know, it just never gets old. Uh, Dave, to you, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. To good health. Me too. Mm. It is drinking time somewhere. Right here, right now. Everywhere. So, Dave, I've got to ask you, I want to go back in time. Uh, Way before there was your winery here, uh, before your journey in wine, where did you grow up? And who was cooking in the family? Uh, I grew up in Illinois, basically, the Chicago area. Um. And actually, I grew up in a family of lots of food. So my grandmother, who immigrated from the Middle East to Chicago, cooked Assyrian food all the time. My mom learned how to cook Assyrian, even though she was Scottish. (laughs) uh, I I know Scottish food. I'm I'm of Celtic stock. So, So, yeah, I mean, you know, we didn't eat haggis very much. We (laughs) ate dolma, you know, we ate, but, you know. Scottish dolma. Yeah. (laughs) It's, It's similar. It looks similar. But yeah, stuffed grape leaves and you know yeah. lots of lamb and um, and always wine on the table. And my grandfather made wine in his basement in Chicago. How was that wine? You know, I was too young to drink it, but my guess is it was pretty bad. Do you remember uh, or recall your earliest uh, moment with wine when you tasted it and actually enjoyed it and realized it wasn't just yeah something to get you drunk, but it, it could be a journey. It could be something to savor to enjoy. You know, I mean, I think my parents always let me have a little bit of wine while we were having dinner. So, and, and you know, early on, granted, it was more sweet wines, German Rieslings or Gewurztraminer and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, as they progressed, you know, the different wines we drank progressed. So, I mean, I started learning at a very early age. I mean, probably high school. Did you ever imagine one day you'll be running not just a winery, but incredibly successful winery. Uh, at what point did wine become a real passion? Uh, you know, I probably started collecting wines and tasting wines sort of for education and pleasure um, when I was 18, 19 years old. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, I started collecting wines in my 20s, although I couldn't really afford super good wines. Sure. Um, and then I started drinking a lot of wine with my Uncle Bob, who lived in San Francisco. Yeah. He had a little more money than me, so we got to drink better wines. <laughs> See, that's that's key. If you want good wine, hang out with people a little wealthier. Exactly. But you, potentially your relative is a good thing, you know, because they, they have to gift it to you because you're family, right? And they'll give you a place <laughs> to sleep if you drink too much. <laughs> that always helps as well. Yeah. So 
you're collecting wine, Dave. Uh, what were your prized bottles uh, as a as early an early wine collector? What were the the bottles that to you were were incredibly special? You know, I mean, it, it, there were a lot, but I can remember buying seventy four Cancanon Petite Syrah for like five bucks. Listen, uh, Jim Cancanon, the Godfather of Petite Syrah. When other people said it was a grape that will go nowhere, that you really shouldn't worry about. Here's a guy who put it on the map, right? Absolutely. And I mean, we used to buy it for nothing, and we, we couldn't believe that that was what the price of the wine was. Yeah. But we drank tons of it. And even like when I was in my 30s or 40s, somebody gave me a bunch of it because they remembered we would drink it all the time. Yeah. I love that an Irishman ended up making really good wine. You know, I mean, <laughs> we're good drinkers, and, you know, we have passion. So. Yeah. And, a, and a good palate, right? Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, so, you know, your your early career in the software business, uh, nothing whatsoever to do with wine, uh, but your passion for wine would then become uh, the next chapter of your life. How did that come about? I mean, my uncle bought a vineyard in Napa while I was working for Oracle. He, I mean, he bought it in the late 80s, and I started working for Oracle in 89. So I spent my weekends up here, and mostly we would get up and play tennis in the morning, and then kind of wander around the vineyards and then drink a bunch of wine. Sure. And I, so I just was hanging around while they were pruning, barrel tasting, yeah. blending, things like that. But I never imagined I would do this for a living. I mean, I was doing well in the software business. I enjoyed it. It was fun. And then after a certain amount of time, my uncle was looking for somebody to run the winery for yeah. him. And he asked me to do it. I was living in Texas at the time. And... I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. I'm out. <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. I'm out. I'm done. Houston well, is a very humid place. So <laughs> I was in the middle of, you know, like summer, and I'm like, I got to get out of here. So, Dave, uh, for you in those early days, what was the biggest challenge, and what surprised you most about running a winery? Because it, it, it sounds glamorous, uh, but it's a ton of work. And, you know, obviously the gift that you give is what ends up in the glass, and we enjoy it. Uh, meal tables, you know, with friends. Uh, but that journey, you know, from the tour, from the earth to the bottle, uh, is a is well, it's an arduous one, right? It is, but I think that's the fun part about it. I mean, there are a yeah. lot of fun parts about the wine business. Yeah, you know, like any business, that it has some annoying parts as well. But you know, the the farming aspect. You know, blending, producing the product, and then the people that you get to interact with when you're sure. selling product or enjoying the product, uh, you know, it kind of brings it all f full circle. So, I mean, it, it it's really a delightful process, and you're always learning new things, and you're, every vintage is different. So it, it keeps you intellectually stimulated, and it's also just sensual and intriguing. Well, Mother Nature keeps you on your toes, right? Always. Yeah. Um, but... You know, you have to get to the point where you recognize there are certain things you can't change. So, you know, you can't stress out about that stuff. You just have to do the best that you can with what you get every year. Well, uh, 1993, uh, you and your wife, uh, you, you formed the winery. Minor Family Winery was born. Uh, your first vintage in 96. Take me back to that year, 20 years ago, uh, and that wine, uh, tasting it and realizing you had something and something pretty special. Well, I mean, it was exciting to see, you know, the label come to fruition and to have something that we built together. 
um, the, the wines were primarily from my uncle's vineyard and we'd been working with that vineyard for a while. Yeah. So, um, you know, every vintage is exciting because they're all different, but it was pretty cool, you know, having that label with your name on it kind of come out. Sure. And the coolest part is like you walk into a restaurant somewhere and you see people drinking your wine yeah. and you know, that's kind of satisfying. And you got a new name on your business card. Yeah, I mean, I I never put a title on there because I just figured, you know, it's Minor Family and my name's Dave Minor. They kind of yeah, kind of know that there's an involvement somewhere. Yeah. The story's out there. Your other passion, Dave. We're sitting here uh, chatting to folks at home listening uh, with Dave Minor at Minor Winery, and Dave has a guitar in his lap. One of many. Your other passion is music. Uh, when did that passion begin, uh, and and what's at the core of that passion? Uh, probably at a very early age. I mean, there was always music in my house. Uh, my aunt, uh, my dad's sister was a cellist. So, and she had classical guitars laying around all the time too. Yeah. So when we were kids, we'd go to their house for dinner and there were no other kids our age there. So yeah. we would just pick up the guitars and play with them. We tried to play the cello. I, how did that go? That never worked out for me. <laughs> it's it's not as cool, Dave, is it? I mean, no, but I still it's love the cello to oh, this yeah. day. I mean, it's gorgeous a, sound, right? A, a beautiful sound, and I've gotten to know some great cello players, and you know, it, it's a great instrument. But you know, I did piano early on, but uh, you know, guitar was kind of more my thing. Yeah. Well, listen, fitting uh, that you would be a partner with Bottle Rock Napa Valley uh, because the valley here. It's music, it's food, it's wine, uh, and wine and music are happy bedfellows, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there are a lot of similarities in the businesses themselves, but it's also just, you know, celebratory, fun, pleasurable, sensual kind of things all kind of come together, you know, and uh, the festival is a delightful event filled with food and wine and great people and great music, so you... Clearly, love your guitars. You have how many? Um, somewhere around 40, I think. <laughs> the little obsessed, Dave? What? Possibly, but, you know, I always run into people that have like a hundred and something, and then it makes me feel really good. <laughs> I'm not so crazy about guitars after all. Well, you are, because you uh, are part owner of the Benedetto uh, company that makes probably among the best guitars in the world, handcrafted, uh, here in America. Tell me about the Benedetto guitar, the one you have in your hand, for example. So this is what uh, the the standard model they call a Sinfonietta, Um, but this is actually a custom-made guitar that Bob Benedetto built for me. It's the first one that they ever built for me. Um, So we call it affectionately the Vinodetto because it's stained with wine on the back and sides. Sure. So this is the Vinodetto 1. I now have eight of them and a ninth one in the works, so... It, it's, it is a little bit of an obsession, but um, not very many people can say they have guitars that are actually stained with wine. No. Well, so there's a nice wine connection there. It would be naughty for us to just sit here, well, first, to not have another sip together. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Cheers, Dave. Here we go. And listen, folks, this is why Dave has a passion for guitars. Listen to the sound of this Benedetto guitar.
What's different about a jazz guitar? Well, this is made more like a cello or a violin. So it's an arch-top guitar that's carved out of a single piece of wood, basically. Um, And the strings, or the bridge and everything floats over the top. So it's designed for the top to vibrate more than a flat top and project. Um, These guitars were designed in the 20s to, to sort of be loud enough to keep up with, you know, with brass instruments. Sure. Yeah. So they kind of replaced the banjo in a jazz guitar or yeah. in a jazz ensemble and they needed to project more. So if you really jump on it, it's got a pretty big volume for a small guitar. Yeah. And it really projects into the, the crowd. Now, you said it's wine stained, Dave. Is it minor wine? Please it's tell absolutely me. minor wine. It really is? Uh, yeah. Yes! Um, every one we've done, because of every piece of wood is different, the color of the stain comes out a little differently. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, when I first started talking to Bob about this, he said, you know, this is a really cool idea. Um, and he started out making violins and things like that, too. So he goes, send me some stain. So I sent him a case of wine. <laughs> And three weeks later, he called me. He goes, this is great. This is going to work. I'm going to do this on your guitar. But I drank all the stain. <laughs> more, more stain, please. Yes. So I had to send him more wine. Um, and, okay, so if I, if I was to buy one of these guitars, obviously this one, no price on this because this was made for you. Uh, but how much will a minor wine-stained Benedetto guitar set you back? Uh, if it's one of the carved instruments, it'd probably be at least twenty thousand yeah. dollars, and probably go up from there. So. But think about the years of joy. Yeah, I mean it's a work of art, really. Yeah. And uh, guitars like wine get better with age. Sure. I mean, as wood gets older, it develops a tone that just continues to get yeah. more mellow and and beautiful, and has great tonal characteristics. So, you know, to this day, one of my favorite musicians is Willie Nelson. Uh, and I think about his guitar, Trigger, the most beat-up guitar, uh, which I once had the joy of holding, uh, but the most beat-up guitar you ever will see. But there is a sound that comes out of that guitar. Uh, have you ever heard the album Teatro? Uh, Willie Nelson with Lou Harris. Yes, he's but, one of my favorite singers as well. Well, that album uh, has a lot of instrumentals, and it's just Willie and Trigger. And the sound that comes out of that guitar, because of its age, because it's so banged up, is it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, wood is funny that way. And you know, I have guitars that have are old guitars that have cracks that have been fixed, and yeah. sometimes those guitars are the ones that sound the best. Yeah. So, uh, so listen, Dave, just around the corner, Bottle Rock, uh, the the event itself. Uh, what do you love most about it? I mean, a, a lot of it for me has been just getting more music into Napa Valley. Yeah. And, and this event has brought some of the best musicians in the world into Napa Valley. And the combination of food and wine and just the, the whole ambiance of the festival just makes for a tremendous event. Yeah. And, you know, it's a fun weekend. Everybody's there, you know, having a great time. It's very laid back and festive and, and the music is tremendous and it's lots of different genres of music so it keeps everybody interested there's something for all ages and you know for those who come they come they come and enjoy the music they come and enjoy the food uh, i'll be there on the culinary stage uh and you'll be there of course uh minor family uh, you'll be uh 
sharing your wines on the day. So it's a great opportunity for those who haven't tasted a minor family wine, God bless them, but an opportunity to meet uh, the guy and the team uh, behind the great wines that you make as well. Yeah, I mean, we'll have wines in all of the venues around the grounds, and then we'll have a, a bunch more wines right around our tent. So we have we have our own stage, the Minor Family Stage, and then we have a hospitality tent there. We're actually going to have some old rock art, poster art in the tent. And uh, so there's lots of things to do and and see and, and enjoy, even when the music isn't going. So. And do we know who's on the Minor Family Stage? They haven't announced the breakdown of bands on the stage. Yeah. I, know, I know some of the bands that are playing there, but uh, I don't think they've actually officially announced that yet. But. We'll, we'll put that in our story as we run it. As we wrap up, Dave, um, for you, I know you've, uh, you've got to uh, share the stage, play guitar, hang out with some of your musical heroes. Uh, if you could share one moment uh, about one music hero that you've enjoyed a bit of time with, uh, who would that be? Uh, well... As a wedding gift, my my father in law gave me uh, basically Bucky Pizzarelli and Howard Alden came and stayed in my house. And uh, you know, yeah, sure, just a couple of guys. <laughs> and then they played a private show here at the winery for yeah. my friends and I, and I got to sit in and play with them. And yeah. they both actually played Benedetto guitars, so it was the first time I ever got to play a Benedetto as well. Yeah, and uh, and just became very good friends with both Bucky and Howard over the years, and have had them here numerous times since then. So, And that's a big part of the experience here at Minor Family Winery. Uh, it is hospitality. It's to come and enjoy the wines uh, in a convivial space, but also music is often part of, of, of your wine family's experience here, right? Yeah, I mean, we, I have a lot of guitars on display here as well, mostly because I've run out of room at home to store <laughs> them. But... Uh, you know, and we get musicians coming in, whether it's through, you know, Bottle Rock family or other events that are going on in the Valley. So, you know, people love wine and, and even musicians or hockey players or whoever uh, tend to swing on in and drink a little wine and hang out. Mina family winery up here in Napa Silverado Trail uh, Dave Miner himself will be there at Bottle Rock Napa Valley. Uh, it is May 28th Sorry, May, yes, 28th, 29th, and 30th uh, this year. So do yourself a favor and venture to Bottle Rock and enjoy some minor family wine. Uh, more on Dave's story at cbssf.com. And Dave, got to ask you to leave us with just one more little tune, if you'd be so kind. Leave us on a high note. Uh, well... on Dave Miner's story. Thanks, Dave, for your passion, for your time. Appreciate it, my Thank friend. Thank uh, More at cbssf.com and click on Foodie Chap. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.